0: Uh, My name's Steve. If I've not met you before, I'm one of the um, the leaders of a church. This is our last sermon uh, on a series we've been doing on workplace called 9 to 5. Hence, I really recommend going away and listening to the other sermons, which are on the website, um, for that as well. Uh, I've got a massive heart for the workplace because I spend most of my time there. And it's just been great to spend some time thinking about what are the problems of the workplace? What does God say about the workplace? Um, But just as many problems we have with the workplace, I think we have just as big problems with resting. In fact, I'd be uh, willing to bet that the majority of people in this room, if not everyone, and probably everyone, has some issue with resting. Uh, And that's the other side of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Sabbath, which is uh, God's response for that. And um, one of the ways I know that we have a problem with resting is because we have a problem with busyness, almost like an addiction uh, in some cases. When I was thinking about about this, and to be honest, this wasn't new, I kind of feel like I've realised this for a while... Um, it's kind of like business has become like this desirable cool thing It's like if you say to someone how was your week? Generally speaking not everyone they'll say like I'm busy like, you know like how's your week? Oh, yeah, it's been good, but I'm busy. How was your work? Yeah, it's going well, but it's busy. How's church life? It's busy. It kind of like feels like this desirable thing There's a, a, an American preacher called John Mark home who says business is a moniker for importance. It's almost like become uh, Busyness has become like this byword for validation. No one says like yeah, do you know what like i've got absolutely tons of time on my hands like i just want netflix all the time like i've got capacity if you want me to do anything we say that we're busy we've got this culture that kind of respects and expects busyness and, and there's a reason for that which i'm, I'm not going to go into or reasons for that which i won't go into too much but there have been periods of time in the history of the world where like great thought thinkers so like when roman greco thinkers were like kind of the leading thinkers that work was generally seen as menial but actually our society in the uk and the west is very much built on Um, kind of like this idea of like a strong Protestant work ethic, which is almost a phrase in itself. Um, And basically this has come from a good place, so it's come from the idea that um, uh, work is good, and work is good, and hard work is godly, and hard work is godly. Um, But we have this habit of taking things which are inherently good as humans, I think, taking something that's inherently good uh, and kind of choking it and making it restrictive so it kind of like strangles the stuff that's good in it. And we call that legalism, taking something that's good and being so kind of like on it and rigid about it that it becomes bad. Um, And it's interesting just how pervasive this is. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was um, uh, uh, founding father of of the United States and he wrote uh, an annual piece of literature called Paul Richard's uh, Almanac, um, which I guess at the time was kind of like hip-hop because the pose he's got there is so... Uh, on it. Um, And uh, some of the maxims he wrote in there were stuff like, uh, God helps them that helps themselves, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. Never leave that till tomorrow, which you can do today. And there are things which are kind of like, I I think those are right, I think those are based on truth, but it's interesting that I read some of that stuff and I was like, man, I, I kind of thought that was in the Bible. Like, it's just come from us building this idea of busyness Uh, on top of it and it's easy for us to be busy like technology means you're busy everywhere like I can't do it my current job my old job like I used to look at my emails on the weekend and just make myself stressed about it and and even if you're not looking at paid work you can do domestic work on your phone you know you can change the heating in your house or change supplier or just fill yourself with like quick fix entertainment try next time you have like a 15 minute cue or like next time you go to like a dentist surgery and just sit there without looking at your phone it's really hard we're used to this busy kind of environment and we fill ourselves with um, with leisure activities. We've got work which feels pressured. We've got leisure activities which is kind of like demanding extracurricular. And if you're a Christian, on top of that, church can sometimes feel like an extra thing you're trying to add in as well. We're busy. Uh, Tim Chester, quoting, says, Normal is now getting dressed in clothes that you buy for work, driving through traffic in a car that you're still paying for, in order to get to the job you need so you can pay for the clothes, the car and the house that you leave empty all day in order to live in it. This stuff rings true, right? Like I'm, I'm sure many of us today kind of like get this feeling. You know what I'm talking about. You you find yourself desperate for that end of term. You find yourself counting down till your next holiday. You find yourself counting down for the weekend. Oh, this weekend's busy. When is my next free day? Counting down all the time. And I've recognised this for ages. Like, I've recognised that for ages. I, I'm guilty of saying, like, I'm busy. Like, I've desperately tried to stop that over a period of years. Um, but I think, on, on reflection, why that is, is because even though I know and recognise that we've got this busy issue and I recognise I've got this busy issue... I still say that rest is for the wicked. I still say that rest is for the weak. Like, ugh, crikey, I am really busy, but I can handle it. I've got capacity. Like, yeah, this week's really busy, but like, you know, resting would be lame. Someone, resting is for someone else. I'll hand, I know I'm a martyr, but I will handle it. But actually, we're not made for this. And this normal that Tim Chester has described, the, um, the, the Old Testament um, scholar Walter Brugeman, he, he refers to this normal as a society of 24-7 multitasking in order to achieve, accomplish, perform and possess. This restlessness comes from that, and there's a restlessness which leaves an aftermath of unbearable anxiety which causes people to literally or metaphorically jump off bridges and kill their children. So that's the business situation we've got, and today we're going to talk about Sabbath, which is God's answer for rest uh, and an antidote for business as well. And I'm super excited about talking about this. This is um, a message that I've been living with for two years. If you've known me uh, for any length of time, there's a good chance I've talked about some of this stuff with you. Um, and I feel like it's really big for us as a church now, partly because I just think this is, is really big for us as individuals. I think it's big for anyone. And I can honestly say that if you take on board some of this stuff, uh, it's really going to change your life. And I can say that because I've plagiarised most of the good content, um, but also because me and Joe have been doing it in our lives and, and have really seen a difference. So two years ago, um, I read about Sabbath. I mean, I must have read about it a number of times. Um, and something just struck me about realising that I don't think I'm doing this. I read, I've, I've read about Sabbath for ages, I've known about it, but I suddenly read it and think, actually am I doing it? I don't know if I am doing it. I don't know how to do it. Crikey, am I doing it? And over that period of two years or so, I've been asking lots of people, like, do you do Sabbath? How do you do Sabbath? And generally speaking, on the basis of responses, I don't think we're doing Sabbath at all. And for us, that's a big deal because if we believe in Jesus, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. We believe that's the literal word of God to us and that it tells us how to live. So if God says something in the Bible as Christians, that's why we're interested in it because we want to know how to do it. We We believe that's true. We believe it's the best thing for us. So let's speak about Sabbath. Sabbath is from the Hebrew word uh, Shabbat, which means uh, kind of like to cease or to desist from working. We'd interpret as working, but it's, it's as much their understanding of it was intentional activity. Stop doing intentional activities and then probably most of us will understand it in a looser sense so even if you know even if you're not christian even if you've never been to church much you probably roughly know you've heard of sabbath sabbath is this kind of like principle of one day off a week like some religions like the jews and the jews do on a saturday christians do on a sunday but it's this principle of like you have a religious day off a week and actually it's not even just a religious thing anymore so um, you know there's loads of writing out there at the moment loads of thinking about stuff like mindfulness or live a simple life um, or how to live a restful life, or if you, if you Google articles on what's the maximum amount of time you should uh, be working, or how much sleep you should get, it feels like people generally have recognised across different professions, including religion, that we probably shouldn't be working 24-7. But that's roughly what it's doing. But the difference for us is we believe that it comes from the Bible, and we believe that there's a certain way that we do it. And actually it comes so far back um, from the Bible that we have to go all the way to the creation story. Uh, so in Genesis chapter 2, um, we, uh, we pick up the creation story, which is where God, again, if you remember Sunday school, God has commanded things into being. He's, uh, he's created humans, he's created plants, he's created the light, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And uh, in Genesis 2, we get to God saying, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. I'll just read that again because I'm going to pick out a couple of things from it. So by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. So a couple of things for us to pick out from the first instance of Sabbath. God rested. God rested. The creator of the universe rested. Like, ah, I feel really busy at the moment, so actually I'm not sure. God rested. Like, yeah, normally I Sabbath, but this week I've got a little bit. of God rested. God rested. Why did God rest? He didn't do it because he was tired. He's like the creator of all things. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. His creation wasn't him breaking his back, it was him speaking things into it. Imagine if we did that Excel spreadsheet, complete yourself. Like he's not tired. He rested because there's a principle. Why did he? Well, it says it here. He rested because he was able to say, My work is finished, my work is good. So he can rest and remember this because that's a theme we're going to pick up on throughout. So God rested, he didn't do it because he was tired. And the fact that he didn't do it because he's tired is important for us as remembering it for premise as well. So sometimes when I do rest it's because I'm knackered. But actually that's not the primary reason, that's not the only reason we should be resting. And that's the thing that has led me to go like for a couple of weeks going like, yeah, I'm not tired, I can do it, just burning adrenaline. Number three, God blessed the day. We kind of loosely understand blessing in terms of fruitfulness. If God blesses a person, we'd expect that person to be quite fruitful. If God blesses Steve at work, we'd expect people to like Steve, uh, for Steve to do his job really well, for Steve to get favour. Favor. If God blesses a thing like a field, or maybe like a tree, we'd expect that tree to bear fruit. But in this instance, God is blessing time. He's blessing the Sabbath. And we kind of understand blessing as fruit. So he has blessed a day of rest and said that that is going to be fruitful. It's almost like that is regeneration of fruit for us for the rest of the week. And he gives us this to remind us that we are not gods. He is God. He was the one who's done the work and it's finished and he's able to rest and to allow us to enter that space of blessing. And um, the Sabbath goes on to be a really big part of the Old Testament. If you don't know the story of God, let me uh, me give you a little bit of it. God um, reveals himself to this guy called Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm going to turn you into a a a people. Abraham was um, the... Uh, patriarch of of all the jewish people and he says you're going to have numerous um, children and descendants below you and and in his old age he has a child and then these children have more children and more children and more children we get to jacob who's also called israel by god as in israel and he has 12 children including joseph who's the chap with the technicolor dream coat and his brothers sell him into slavery into egypt and god blesses joseph at work so actually he's really fruitful at work and he does so well at work in fact that he saves egypt and the whole area when they go into famine he saves like his whole people and he brings all his people over to live with him in Egypt. Um, But we're told in the Bible that a few generations down the line, the Egyptians forget why it is that all the Israelites are living there, and because God has been blessing them, again they've grown in number massively, and it says that the Egyptians begin to hate them, so the Egyptians turn them into slaves. And that's when God calls Moses, who's the guy from the uh, Prince of Egypt, you might remember him as well, the one who um, uh, Pharaoh wanted all the children to be killed, uh, of the Jews because there were too many of them, and his mother didn't want him to be killed, which is kind of understandable. So she put him in a reed basket and onto a river, which is kind of less understandable. But it became good, and he became the prince of Egypt. And then he gets called out of that, and God says to him, "I'm going to make you the person who calls my Jewish people, my people, out of slavery." And he calls them out of slavery. He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, "No." There are twelve uh, plagues against Pharaoh. Then he lets them go. Then there's the Red Sea parting. They go across it. The Egyptians go into it, it's really good. You should definitely read the Old Testament. <laughs> At this point. Lost myself in the notes. We get back to Moses. Moses is at the head of something like 600,000 people who for generations have been living as slaves. And towards the end of their slavery, Pharaoh really, that's Prince of Egypt, the Pharaoh really hated them. Uh, and he was making them do too much work. So seven days a week, they're working 24-7. And um, God, God gives Moses um, what we would call the law. He gives him the Ten Commandments. You might have heard that again from Sunday school. Sabbath makes it onto the Ten Commandments. It's that important. What number is it? Four. That's right don't have it up there i wouldn't have known it um and he gives them the law as well and this law is kind of like god's way of saying like listen you are a group of six hundred thousand slaves you've been slaves for generation you have no idea how to live you've got no institution you've got no government um at the moment you don't have any land this is how you should live so it's really interesting for us to read that and hear what god says kind of like about the way that a people group could live um, but part of that is Sabbath, and uh, at the beginning of, of these Ten Commandments, which is the start of law, when he gives them to Moses, to the people, um, he, says, he says this thing to them, which is uh, really interesting in Exodus 20. He says, um, well, at the start of the Ten Commandments, first of all, he says, remember that I'm, the Go- I'm your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. So he, he, he gives them this motivator to keep his law, which is saying you were physically slaves and I have pulled you out of that. Remember the miracles that I've done you, you and your children. Um, and use that as a motivator to live by the way of freedom uh, that I've given you. And bear in mind that these people were, like, they, they were slaves. They were working seven days a week, so they didn't have a day off. And on top of that, he just said to them, I'm pulling you out. Here's how you live. I've given you your freedom. And on top of that, I'm giving you a day off a week, and it's going to be super blessed for you. And he says to them, this is the way you keep your Sabbath. And this is like the most important thing I'm going to say today, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit. He says, uh, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy so he tells them two things number one he says remember or he calls it sometimes observe or obey obey the sabbath do the sabbath do the 6-1 ratio this is now me physically speaking to you again let's definitely do a 6-1 ratio take a day off even if you don't believe in jesus by the end of the preach, you don't believe in jesus take a day off that is a good thing to take away from this and the second thing is he says keep it holy keep it holy Um, and if you look at the way that the jews interpreted the sabbath they kind of saw this as uh, things you don't do so prohibitive laws, and things you do do, so positive laws. Um, and the prohibitive laws, we kind of understand, this is stuff like, uh, well, you don't work, you you cease or desist, um, and... The positive laws um, are stuff, actually, that sometimes get lost. Sometimes we forget that. We think Sabbath is just a day where you're not meant to do stuff. But instead, it was meant to be a celebration. And if you look at the way that they celebrated it, it was pretty cool. They start on the Friday night. They have these three festive meals. Family and friends come together. Um, they dress nicely, to remember it, which, obviously, some of us uh, still honour. Um, not normally on a Sunday. Uh, some of us don't, Tom. Um, and they do celebrations. They even encourage marital relations on a Sabbath. It's meant to be a good day. It's meant to be a day of celebration. So we've got, this, um, we've got this beautiful gift uh, and it's been hardwired into creation and God did it and he blessed it and he taught his people how to do it and we still got his words so we still know how to do it and yet we don't do it. Two years ago I find myself reading it and realising that I don't do it in my life. Why don't we do it? The UK was even set up to Sabbath. We, we know that Sundays were Sabbath, right? We get Sunday trading laws. So we kind of understand that. It's there. Jesus says that he didn't come away to take away the least letter of the law so this law that was given from the Old Testament that's still at large as well. It's a good gift and yet we don't do it. And here's where we come back to our issues with rest. So Jesus, at the time that he came, uh, he came to an uh, Israel which was uh, under Roman rule, um, but they had uh, a kind of like Jewish sub-state within that, so they had a Jewish religion um, and governors, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who were kind of like the leading Jews at the time, they had a problem with legalism. So this is going back to the thing I said at the beginning of uh, something that's inherently good, but kind of like making it choking and bad. And um, the, what they did was they saw that they weren't allowed to work and they were said like, well, what does that mean? Work like, looks like different things for people. So they basically picked 39 categories of work. And then under each of them, if you double click it, there's like subcategories of things that you're not allowed to do. So it's like, it's really full on. They've almost like ring fence they like, well, we don't know exactly what that looks like, but to make sure that we don't break the Sabbath, let's not do like any of these things. So I think even Orthodox Jews today, only live up to three quarters of a mile away from the synagogue, because that's called a Sabbath day walk. Like you're only allowed to walk that far. So stuff like that, they've really pulled out. Jesus comes and he heals people on the Sabbath and the Pharisees are like, yeah, no, you can't do that. That's one of the things you're not allowed to do. So they've ring-fenced it. So their issue was they were really bound by prohibitive laws. Um, and in fact, their response uh, to, to doing the Sabbath itself—like we're told that God complains against them because they were complaining when they were doing the Sabbath. In, in I think it's uh, Amos, they're told um, they're told off for saying, um, "Yeah, there it is. When will the Sabbath end or be ended uh, that we may market wheat?" They're like, "Oh, I'm not allowed to sell stuff on the Sabbath, but I'd prefer to be doing that. When will it end?" So they're complaining when it's happening. And I was reading this, thinking, "Man, like, and I'm not even doing the Sabbath. I can't even be told off for, for my attitude towards it." But that's their problem, so why don't we Sabbath? Well, we've talked about it already. We don't Sabbath because we're busy. We've taken this legalism of hard work. We've taken this thing which is inherently good, which is hard work and godly goods hard work, and we've made it legalistic. We've made it this pervasive thing. So I'll just check my emails on my phone. I'll just do the food shop today. It's almost like we feel like we have to prove ourselves. Busyness is this thing. That's what it is in me. It's this constant clock saying, Steve, you need to prove yourself and you'll prove yourself by getting ahead in work and you'll prove yourself by getting ahead in your learning and to do that, you're going to have to put in the time which means you're going to be really need to be really busy. And it's kind of like I've realised that I've basically been living this lie whereby I think, God, if you just gave me seven days this week, or do you know what? If you gave me eight days this week, I would be able to do everything as if I'm God. Or maybe it's that you believe that God hasn't given you enough time to do all the things that he's called you to do in his week, which is kind of contrary to what Scripture says. So because we're busy, we don't Sabbath. That's us disobeying disobeying that first thing. We don't obey the Sabbath. But I think the saddest reason we don't Sabbath, is the second one, because we disobey the call to remember his Sabbath and keep it holy, and I think that's because we don't know how, and sometimes we don't care how to remember his Sabbath and keep it holy. And I wonder if some people maybe were hearing this stuff about business and thinking, actually that's not an issue for me. I wonder if this might be more an issue for, for you, and actually for me, I think both of these things are issue. We struggle to keep Sabbath, because we struggle to spend time in his presence. We're gonna go on to the practicalities of how we Sabbath a little bit later, but if your Sabbath, for a long time, I thought I was Sabbathing, but actually, if you'd looked at my Sabbath, you'd said, well, that's just a day off, like even a non-Christian, that, that could just be a day off. If that's what your Sabbath looks like, then might I suggest that we're not Sabbathing. And for times, at like me, that has been the issue. John Piper says, uh, when referring to things that kind of like keep us remembering that God, uh, the Sabbath is holy, he says, do you delight in talking about God with one another? Do you delight in reading the word? Do you delight in praise? Or does that feel burdensome? That's not God's fault or the Sabbath's fault, that's idolatry. Now, idolatry is when we take something and say that I prefer that than God. So a lot of the time I find myself not Sabbathing because I like to be honest, I prefer to pursue my own leisure. I prefer to watch box search, watch live sport, go shopping. And again, hear me, I'm going to talk about how these things can be part of it. But it's almost like I'm saying I prefer those things to it. It's almost like the reason that um, you might not want to Sabbath and keep it holy is probably the thing that is actually binding here. It's probably the thing that's, that's making an, uh, becoming an idol in your life. Tim Keller says, anyone who cannot obey the command to lead the Sabbath is a slave, even a self-imposed one. So we've got the Israelites in Egypt, they physically couldn't Sabbath because they were literally slaves. For most of us, well, I imagine for all of us, that's not the issue now, but we don't Sabbath, so what is it that we're slaves to? What is it that's stopping us from taking that day a week? Because our souls find rest in God alone. I have tried. A lot of my life I thought it was Sabbathing. I was just taking a day off doing whatever I fancied. My soul doesn't find rest in that. I'm still waiting for the next weekend. It just makes me want more of it. It's not ultimately how I found rest. We don't Sabbath. We don't know how. No one else does. It doesn't matter. We can't afford to. But ultimately I feel like we're just still slaves when we're not Sabbathing. So here we come to Jesus as we continue that little Bible story I've been going through. Jesus is hands down the most important person in every situation. Here's the reason that that's preach isn't me just giving you fairly sound advice to take a day off a week. And again, if you don't believe him, if you don't believe in him by the end of this, take a day off a week. You'll be in a much better place. But actually, there's more than that. This is that keeping it holy part. Because Jesus came to bring freedom. See, the reason that people subverted the Sabbath and never obeyed it, and the reason that we still do that now, why the Israelites were taken from their lands and turned into slaves, is because from the first man, Adam, we have always sought to do the opposite of what God says. God says, take a rest. No, we'll do the other thing, we'll work, we'll be God's instead. Believing that we're wiser, we still do that now. If you ever say, like, how can a loving God let bad things happen, or, or those kind of questions, you know, we should be asking questions. But if you say that, that's actually us saying, like, well, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. I'd be, I'm wiser than God. See, the people of God had this law that he given to them through Moses, but the law was never God's plan for getting us out of the mess we're in. The law came to show us what is good and bad. His plan was always to send Jesus, his son, who is fully God and fully man, to take on himself the punishment for the sin and disobedience in our life, which is where we're constantly trying to do the stuff that he's telling us not to, and be a one-time sacrifice for us all to make it right with God. So God can look at us, and in the same way as he did with his creation at the beginning, say, it is good, it is finished. That's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus didn't come to take one letter from the law. He came to enhance it. He came to fulfil it. He said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. See, in the Old Testament, you sabbathed because you were once a slave who could physically not take time off, whereas now, for us, in the New Testament, we Sabbath because he has freed us from the things that make us slaves in our lives. They're constantly trying to grab us, whether it's business because you've got to prove yourself or whether it's uh, the desire for quick-fix entertainment. He's come to free us from that slavery. And in the Old Testament... They Sabbath because they wanted to remember that God's work is finished. But actually, one of the reasons we don't Sabbath now is because we feel like our work is never done, but in Jesus, our work is finished. God is able to look at us and say, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that's literally what Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. That's what Jesus says when he looks at us, when we accept him. And because of that, we can Sabbath. We're told in the Bible that we get a new life, when uh, if we believe in Jesus, we, we get hit, new life. We get hit. We take on His life, and we also die to our old life as well. And that's got like spiritual ramifications. So that's talking about us going to heaven. Um, but also it's the way we live our life now. He he says that his Holy Spirit, who's the other member of of the Trinity of God, will come to us, gives us a hope for the future. And whereas our old selves do not Sabbath because we're slaves and because we feel our work is never finished, our new selves do Sabbath and keep it holy because Jesus has finished the work for us and liberated us from slavery to things. And because that's worth remembering once a week in a special way. We remember it for the whole week, but that's what the Sabbath does. And this is good news, guys. This is the kind of good news that makes me love being a Christian, makes me love Jesus. And it's true for the whole week and not the day off, but the Sabbath is such a huge physical response to believing these truths and changing your life to stop believing the untruths that you previously believe. Walter Brugesman, that Old Testament uh, scholar, again, says people who practice for Sabbath day live all seven days differently. Mm. By taking a day off, you are saying that God is in control. It is super liberating. It is one of the most liberating things that I have made a change in my life about doing. I'm constantly bound by fear of man or fear of opinion or fear of proving myself. On a Sunday, I say, I'm not taking that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that by working an extra day today that I will do anything against that. I think it's you who does that, God. You're trusting that the world won't fall over if you don't read your emails for one day. Do you really think a loving God is telling you to overfill your calendar? God isn't wringing his hands trying to get the last drop out of you. By Sabbathing, we're believing that God has called us to work for six days rather than trying to cram eight days of work into seven days. You cannot do it all. We do not create and we do not save. And by taking a day off to worship God, you are ridding yourself of idolatry. For me, that has been the, that has been the last vestige of why I've struggled to Sabbath properly because I worry that I'll miss my day off. I have six other days. Again, I'll talk about this stuff. But I was living days just for this desire of a fix of things that I thought I enjoyed most and gave me relaxing uh, rest throughout the week but weren't working for me. The key is believing and recognising that we need to worship and remember God on our Sabbath to actually rest. And the other thing as well is if you don't Sabbath, if you Sabbath, you're basically saying, as I said before, that we recognise that we are not God. I'm saying that I'm not God, therefore I'm not in control of all seven days. If you don't Sabbath, you end up never saying that. You think I'll I'll just fit it into the week, but you don't ever say that. Your actions never say it. And because of that, you're starting to live a life as if you were God, your own God, subconsciously believing that and acting that way. Practicality, so how do we do it? I have, uh, I've spent two years doing it wrong, um, so I wish I had all the answers to give you. Um, I hope and pray, I guess, that, uh, that you believe that you were made for Sabbath, you believe this is from God, um, and you have faith for benefits. I'm not going to check up on whether people are doing it after this because I'm not a Pharisee, but if you do it, I can honestly say that we will all notice a difference in your life. I, c- I can't express that enough. You guys are either going to go away and do this or you're not, but trust me, it has just made an enormous difference for me in my life. Uh, And a lot of preachers and stuff I've read on Sabbath kind of like finish here with like no practicals, um, which is really helpful. Um, So that's why I want to do a bit of that stuff now. Um, And and the first thing is intentionality. So a quote from Christianity Today that someone put in: "I've never once seen someone accidentally keep a Sabbath. Sabbath is an action of great purpose, one that demands feisty intentionality." If, um, if like me, you've spent any time thinking like, "No, I do Sabbath because there's like one, or possibly even two days a week where I don't work," but you've not planned to do anything on the Sabbath. I'd suggest, from my own personal experience, for you on that type of thing, that you're not keeping it holy and that you're not reaping the benefits that are meant for you in that. It's still better than if you work seven days a week, but that's, that's just what I, what I think. I hope you've picked up. Uh, okay, so three things. First is structure. So structuring is important if you're going to be intentional. First thing, um, and I hope you have picked this up, is it's not a license to laziness or to drop your duties. You don't say, "Great, okay, I'm just going to drop all the church rotors I'm on," or like, "I'm going to drop looking after my family," or you, you know, whatever it is. Um, Equally, well, my experience has been it's made my other six days of my week more efficient. Like, I think God's in them more. If, like, I'm remembering on one day a week, I think that's how it's meant to work. Similarly, it's not a magic way to become more efficient in your other six days. If you're working, if you're doing eight days' worth of work throughout your week, you're not going to be able to fix them in seven days. You're not going to be able to fix them in six days. It might be worth considering, are you doing too much? Or lower your standards. That's something I've had to do as well. I'm not going to be excellent at everything I do. Do we do it for a full day? I, up until a few weeks ago, I wasn't going to say we do it for a full day because a lot of teaching kind of says, like, just do it more. And if, you, if you've not got faith in making it a full day, just do some if you're not doing it. Do more than you're doing it. But actually, do you know what? In faith, do a full day. That's what God created us for. He created us for a 6-1 ratio. I would suggest doing a full day. Prepare for it. We've talked about how you might inject it into your week, thinking about it, thinking I can only do six days' work. Prepare for it. But also the night before, the Jews Jews prepared for it the night before by having a meal, a celebratory meal. They got the house clean. Um, They were all ready for it. They prayed it in. In fact, the the Jews had a really good pattern, so they did it from Friday night to uh, Saturday night. Christians, we largely believe that the Sabbath is Sunday. Joe and I have started doing it Saturday evening to Sunday evening. Sunday evening I tend to have um, church meetings. That works really well for me. On the Sunday thing, I spent a long time fighting with, can we do the Sabbath on Sunday? we loosely understand that from a religious, traditional perspective, the Sabbath is Sunday. I guess I had an issue for a while, because I'm quite often serving at church, and sometimes I was like, actually, that doesn't feel restful, can I make that part of a Sabbath? Um, I've prayed about that a lot for myself, and my experience has been that like God has really released me from some of that stuff, so now when I'm at church, even when I'm serving... Um, I feel in a really restful place. And I guess what I would say is, on a Sabbath, we might celebrate by having friends and family around for a meal. I'm still going to do the washing up after that. That's still a Sabbath day. So I'm not going to leave it until, like, stopping a Sabbath day. So that's kind of how I feel about serving at church with that. I think there are probably some people, if you work at church, I think um, it's probably... Well, you can do it whenever, but I I would say that's less likely to be your Sabbath. If you work Sundays, you might not be able to do a Sabbath on a Sunday. Find another day and do it. That's not an important thing. But actually, church and Sundays can be a really good time to do Sabbath. In, in Leviticus, which is one of the law books, it says that the Sabbath is a day of rest and a sacred assembly. Uh, and I just find it's this great way for us to remember God and keep him holy when we're doing stuff like worship and word together. So I think it's a really good thing. Uh, inner discipline. So that's structure. Inner discipline is something you require to do this. Be joyful, be expectant, be liberated and trust God. If you start fasting, food, which is another really good spiritual discipline, you'll be hungry. If you start, That's kind of like the point of it. If you, if you do Sabbath, and actually you've not been doing Sabbath because you're a slave to something, you will feel a pull to look at your emails, you'll feel a pull to actually spend that day pursuing whatever you want to do. Expect that, but be liberated by it. Joe and I start by praying about the working week and the things that we're definitely not going to touch during the Sabbath. Just lay it down, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that today, I'm going to trust you, God. And every time you think about it, there are six days for me to worry about this, and this is the day that I remember that God is in control of that and the whole of my life. And it's not about rules as the other inner discipline, um, which kind of goes into external stuff. If you find yourself saying, well, that person does this, or should I actually do this or this, then we're becoming a Pharisee about it, which is clearly a risk, because it's in the Bible and it's happened to people. It's not about the rules. With that, external disciplines, how do you physically do this? I would love to give you a template and to say this is what you do, But you need to work that out for yourself, because otherwise it does become a rule-based thing. It's going to be different things for different people. But the most helpful thing I've heard on this is run it through. Whatever you do on the Sabbath, run it through the matrix of is it rest, uh, which is honouring the remember the Sabbath, and is it worship, which is honouring the keep it holy. If it's yes to both those things, do it. If it's no to one of those things, or if it's kind of like, "Mm, yeah, maybe, I'd suggest don't do it, leave it. You've got six days a week to do that stuff in as well. Now, this is when we're getting stuff like, so what is that for me? So, is watching football something you can do on the Sabbath? It probably depends on how you respond to if your team lose, I would say. Like for me, there have been times in my life where that would not have been a wise Sabbath activity. If we've got live sports on in the background now, I still feel fairly loose, uh, fairly able to chat, to pray, to think about things. I probably shouldn't watch too much of it in one go. Um, for me, though, films is a little bit harder. So, most films. Uh, I guess most films, these things aren't inherently bad, right? So most films aren't like, well, there are some, definitely don't watch these, like just like full out, the point of this film is like antichrist. But most films like, have this kind of like they're talking about different things that aren't holy, loosely speaking. For me, I find if I sit down for two and a half hours and watch a film that is talking about different things, I get to the end of that film and suddenly don't feel very close to God. And it's not I'm saying, please hear me, I'm not saying these things are bad. What I'm saying is we want to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I've spent far too many Sabbaths where Joe and I start by praying, great, we're Sabbath in, now we can do what we want, do all this stuff, get to the end of the day. And I'm like, I don't feel like I remember God's day at all. I don't feel close to him. So you've just got to be wise with that. Secular books or secular films—you guys need to decide that based on your experience. Do something avocational. If you spend your whole week uh, doing manual labour, don't do manual labour. Take a rest. If you spend your whole week in front of a laptop, don't spend time in front of a laptop. That kind of thing. Do something contemplative. Spend some time remembering God. Uh, Joe and I. So, in fact, here is a rough template of what we do on that on that first evening. We will pray together. We'll lay some stuff down together. Um, we will have a bit of worship mu- uh, music on. Worship music is generally the music we'll have on during the background, throughout that like day periods. I listen to enough um, hip-hop uh, throughout the rest of the week. Um, <laughs> the rumours are true. Uh, yeah, uh, in the morning after, we'll do a bit of prayer together. Um, we might do some Bible reading, pick a study topic, do something together, but we'll go for a walk as well. Um, just thank God. I might have an. In fact, I'd say I might have an app. I, every opportunity I take, I get an app, whether it's a Sabbath day or not. But like, you, fix that stuff into it as well. Just make it this loose, kind of contemplative day. And, and final one on external disciplines. Sabbath is for doing good. So Jesus came and he healed people, and the Pharisee said no because that is work. Some, if you read some things about the Sabbath, like, there are some guys who are like, really kind of like restrictive about what they'd call the Sabbath. So I read this one preacher who was like, basically, we turn off all electronic devices, which is probably actually a good shout, um, and then it's just family time. No one else can get a hold of us. Now, family time is really important, uh, and I think it's a really key part of the Sabbath. And some Sabbath days, actually, for me and Joe, I'd say, like, yeah, we're just going to spend time with family. But we've got to be conscious that we have been discipled in our culture by the nuclear family, so we can make our family time, like, an idol for us as well if you're like no the sabbath's when i only see family then it can just like end up getting you into a bad rhythm as well so I just be conscious allow allow the possibility that the sabbath is for good you know like allow the possibility of having people around seeing people just allow the possibility for the sabbath to be good a couple of alarm bells it's not a one day binge i've tried it it's not you live for god for every day not just for sundays we need rest every day as well you need you, god created sleep like, you could say, like, oh, I'm going to try and sleep less and less. That's part of, like, that business thing. We need that stuff. It's not a one-day binge. Don't let comfort trick you into not remembering the Sabbath. That's the, been the hardest one for me. If you're doing something fun, you can get into that rhythm of comfort and stuff like that. Remember God throughout it. And don't be precious over your time as well. I guess... Um, The final thing that really has motivated me for Sabbath is um, having an eternal perspective. God, in the Bible, says he's paternity on our hearts. And what he means by that is he's got a long-term plan. So I've given you nearly the whole Bible story. We've talked about Adam, the Old Testament, Jesus coming. There's a bit more as well. So we're currently between Jesus coming and Jesus coming back. That's what the Bible says. It says that Jesus is going to come back. It says that when he comes back, every eye is going to see him. It says it's going to be like lightning across the sky, literally everyone will see him. There's lots of stuff that's going to happen, which is in Revelation. Um, everyone will be judged, those who have accepted him God will look at and say yeah it is finished I look at you and I see Jesus and then it says in the Bible there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth which is if you died now you'd go to heaven but there will be a new heaven and a new earth which he creates and it's going to be perfect and there's going to be sabbath in it Revelation says sabbath is going to be there so for me I'm like sabbath is going to be a part of heaven like I want to get a hold of that now and actually that's not the only motivator for me for me I want to get rid of the time I've spent wasting feeling busy. I want to get rid of the time I've wasted being a slave to stuff, not having a rest, feeling like I'm constantly close to burnout, and that's the way to do it. My advice is to do a 6-1 week. My advice is remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Yeah, I guess this is, this, this is the motivator for me as well. This is in Hebrews, this is in the New Testament, and God says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. That was the people who didn't follow Sabbath in the Old Testament. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.